Welcome to episode 27 of the Bloke Pod. This is a bit of a special edition tonight. Well, for starters, I was going to celebrate the 25th episode as the quarter century, but GJ hijacked that with his fucking NBA draft, so that shot that idea down in flames. But I think I've mentioned on a previous podcast that the number 27 has been something of a recurrent theme in my life, and it's with some trepidation that I put this podcast together because now that I've reached the age of 27, I, I told when people at work asked me, you know, what what the year held in store for me and that I said I'd be pretty much just looking to survive until October 24th next year because the the number 27 throughout my life, it was my table number at the ball. It was the the first score I got when I went bowling without bumper bars. It's so much more just every... If you've seen the number 23, the Jim Carrey film, the way in which that number seems to take over his entire existence by the end of the film, that's very, very similar to the the role that the number 27 has played in my life. But, of course, it's far much more than that. It's also, well, we can talk about the 27 Club in terms of all the uh, rock stars and, well, famous people in general who've died at the age of 27. I mean, Amy Winehouse, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, just to rattle off a few names. Joseph Merrick, a.k.a. the Elephant Man. You just wanted to add one? Yeah, I felt well. <laughs> Brian Jones is probably the one who yeah. started the 27 Club, so mm. I think you have to throw his name in there as well. Um, Jim Morrison, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Out there um, as well. We're trying um, to look too much Andreas, for I, I think Andreas Escobar, if you've ever seen the 30, 30 documentary called The Two Escobars, you'd understand the story behind that. Hey, the Colombian uh, soccer player infamously... Shot only days after conceding an own goal in the World Cup. Mm, yeah. But when we researched the number 27, again, doing a bit of, bit of back work, you know, so I hope all our legions of fan are appreciative. Yeah. But, um, yeah, three, there's, there's three so to the power, Three to the power three. Yeah, three cubed, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, it's the only positive integer that's three times the sum of its digits. Yep. The, um, the one I like is that it's the, the numbers two through seven add up to 27. I really yeah. like that one. It costs 27 outs to win a baseball game. Yep. Uh, it's also 72 backwards, which is a, oh, someone who's always been fascinated by numbers and their associations like that. 72 is one of my favourite numbers because it's divisible by 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 8, 9 and 12. The thing that I like about uh, the that's not actually well known is that positions 28 and 29 in the decimal points in pi is actually 27. <laughs> So 20, 27 in 28 and 29, which is yeah. uh, which is an interesting little thing. The other the other prominent thing with 27 is 27 books of the New Testament. There you go. Yeah. So, so there's a lot there, but see, so it clearly transcends just my own petty existence on this planet and goes much further than that. Oh, I, I missed the most obvious one: the number of bones in the human hand. There 27. Should we high five on that one? Yeah, that's right. Give you sound so, of that right there. Yeah. So, with all with all that in mind, we decided that the twenty seventh episode should be a bit of a Bruce McCavity. Yeah, it should it's... be something a bit special. Yeah. Bruce McCavity. <laughs> there oh. it is. Hockey dress rat. Gee, that's, Gee, that's a good sounding <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and the twenty seven club. Look, it's been done to death. Pardon the pun. <laughs> Oh, that's it. The bloke pot is over. I hereby end all associations with you. God damn. I have to say, I'm sorry. Oh, I'll have my lawyers but, uh, draft up the alimony. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'll, I'll keep Billy. You can have Billy's ass. How's that sound? <laughs> if there's some sort of bestiality reference in there, that is so uncool. <laughs> I was more referring to the, yeah. the rather well, Bit of a backstory. There, a, a, some new and deadly form of nerve gas has just been released from the rectum of one William... And, and yeah, it, it, it's a miracle that we're actually alive to record this right now. Yes, it's a miracle true. I didn't just join the 27 Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, uh, yes, maybe we should it's get like, back on track. Oh, when have we ever done that? Oh. <laughs> It'd make a refreshing change of pace. So, given that it's 27, I decided, and in, in this my 27th year, I decided, well, let's do something special for the whole year then. And... Funnily enough, my immediate thought was cricket. <laughs> now, I, I know it's very rare for my mind to, to go there, but <laughs> there it is. Don't try to understand me, baby. So I thought what we could put together is a look back through, you know, hazy coloured spectacles well, with slow motion. I guess we've already done our work best yeah. 11 of all time. Exactly. So let's maybe let's just refine the field the a little scope bit more. Yeah. To, 2012, the calendar year. Let's pick the best team in the world based on their form shown, yeah, in the 2012 year. So we're going to pick um, two openers, uh, four middle-order batsmen, a keeper, one spinner, and three quicks. And probably throw a 12th man in as well. We'll see. If if we're not too tired by then, we'll chuck that on as well. And or if yeah. the nerve gas hasn't oh, really kicked in. <laughs> Can I nominate Billy Birmingham right now for the 12th move? Oh, nice call. Nice call. <laughs> yeah. I'm a lot happier with that Billy right now than, <laughs> than, the, other one. than the other one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, All right. so uh, two openers. Uh, do you want to... Uh, Having said that, I think the best place to start is the guy who'd probably be the first name I'd write down if I was picking any player from any position, and that is Alistair Cook. Captain Cook. Yeah. Five centuries in his first five tests as captain. Mm. No, no one else had even gotten to three, I don't think. Or three was the previous best. Granted, two of those tests were against Bangladesh, but the last two of them were in India, with his team absolutely staggering after being demolished in the first test. And not only did he come back and, yeah, score those two centuries but he's captained them to -to back-to-back wins. It's the first time India have lost two tests in a row at home since 1999-2000 against South Africa, I believe. So there's the run-scoring side of things. Um, You know, youngest ever to 7,000. Anytime you're beating a Tendulkar record in terms of youngest to do something like that, that's pretty goddamn impressive. And more importantly, one... When Strauss left the captaincy after the whole KP debacle... There was a very real risk of the team, yeah, descending into chaos. I mean, let's look at what happened when Andrew Flintoff became captain for for that brief period there. You know, a change of captain, there's always that potential risk of things just falling apart. But he has just stepped up. It's been a seamless transition. He's led from the front with the bat. His captaincy has been, I think, pretty inspired, you know. I think he hasn't... It's hard to sort of say, you know, he's a brilliant captain after so few, <laughs> such a small period of time. But I think he hasn't put a, put a foot wrong. And 
I think it's very unfortunate that they don't have the DRS in India because if they did, he probably would have made a 6th century in his 6th test as captain. I think they'd realised that that was the only way they were going to get him out was with the dodgy LBW decision. Yeah, co-signed. We yeah. can move on from yeah, that so one. Yeah, so a highly controversial. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, based on performances this year, that anybody would uh, would be precluding Cook from the... From, uh, from their teams, and if they were, well, they're an idiot. Let's put it that way. Let's put it this way. Australia have four openers playing for them right now. They trade them all for one Alistair Cook. <laughs> yes. And who are you going with your second opener, Dan? Well, I'm going to stay in the same vein of um, captain openers, and I'm going to go Graham Smith. Which is, yeah. I think... I'll co-sign that one as well. Jeez. Oh, not, not being overly controversial there, I think... There's a few. There's a few options you could consider there. I'm, mm. I'm a, generally a, a proponent of left and right, um, but there really aren't that many good right-hand openers running around at the moment. Mm. And um, you could argue Shane Watson, but he's now at four well, and therefore gone to. The shit. guy, the guy who I did actually look at, and his record this year hasn't been too bad, is uh, Muhammad Hafiz from mm. Pakistan. Yeah. But um, I think, look, I know what I'm going to get with Smith. I think the beauty of Smith is Smith can play. He, 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 he's more than willing to adjust his game in relation to the conditions of yes. where the match is at at a particular point in time. Thank you for going with that, because the reason I picked him, along with the fact that he just beat Australia in Australia, which, irrespective of how, you know, how strong they were is to, in terms of favouritism going into it, any time you beat the Aussies down under, that's a, that's a good effort. But the main reason I picked him was based on one test in England this year, where they had lost an early wicket, the team was under pressure, there was still, I think, around a a session to play until stumps that day, and Jimmy Anderson was swinging the ball square, you know, Stuart Broad was charging in, and it it was a real pressure cooker situation, and Graham Smith just decided, I will be here at stumps tonight, they are not going to get me out. Mm. He, He did not put a foot wrong. He left the balls that he should have left, he played defensively, he played within himself, he still punished the bad balls, but he had just decided in his mind, yeah, I will be there at stumps, and he got through. And the next day, um, he and Armla put on a massive partnership. I th- I, yeah, that, I think that was the match where Armla scored the triple century, was, but yeah. Smith himself scored a century, and I thought that his performance overall was arguably the turning point of the whole series. I think, yeah, he really wrestled the momentum away from England in yep. that innings, and Amler and Callis were the two that got to cash in oh, okay. yeah. as a result of his hard work. But, yep. um, yeah, that, that that innings is also a big part of the reason why, um, why I picked him. But as I say, mm. his ability to adapt his game to the to what was what's yep. going on at the time is was a big part of the reason why I, I, I swayed his way yep. over, yeah, as I say... Probably Hafiz was yeah. the only other guy who I was who I would have been considering in mm. the opening spot there. And just quietly having him as captain also helps too. Mm. Doesn't so, hurt. Doesn't hurt. So four middle order batsmen. I think we might diverge here. I think there's a couple of absolute locks, but then it gets a little bit trickier from that point on. Yeah. Well, I'm up for the challenge. No. So number one. Well, not number one, I suppose. Well, number three. Number three. First drop. The the bloke who I rate as the best batsman in the world right now, Hashim Amla. Dean Jones, mate. Yeah, yeah. mate, quote yeah. unquote. Yes. Jeez, um, oh, you couldn't pick a team without Amla, though, could you? At oh, the look, I, I cannot speak highly enough about this guy. I rate him so highly. Um, I think the 
the way in which he rested the momentum back from Australia in the third test over here, where he and Smith on the in the afternoon session on that second day just absolutely pulverised the Australian bowlers. He scored 99 runs in the session, and he would have easily made it to 100 if he hadn't been batting with Jacques Callas on one leg towards the end of the day. But, yeah, that innings for me summed up the brilliance of Armlar because he is such a stoic batsman. You know, every time that he he gets himself in, you think it's going to take something special to dismiss this guy. Well, I mean, yeah, he's... Uh... 1,064 runs for the year at, mm. uh, at an average of just under 71. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that includes and a triple century. It includes a triple century. And, to score one. and I think the other thing about him is he's actually scored them at a reasonable clip for him as well. He's mm. averaging a bit, just under 60 runs yeah. per 100 balls. So. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Sorry, that, that's what I was was saying. Is um, yeah. Usually he gets in and he can drop anchor. Yeah. You wouldn't call him necessarily an attacking batsman, but yeah, in that afternoon session, he he showed this aggressive flair, which the Aussies had absolutely no answer to it. He saw that the game was there for the taking, and he stepped up and he took it. So yep, Amwer's a Amwer's a lock. One, I, I think you know Amwer, Amwer Cook, and probably Michael Clark, who you would be picking in a minute. Spoiler alert! I think that it, it would be impossible to pick a team this year without those three. Oh, it'd be possible, but you'd be a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> you might be, you, you might yeah. be getting a job as an Australian selector, but uh... <laughs> oh, hang on. Now that Hilditch is gone, I think that's a little unwarranted. You know, pick pick your time and place, mate. <laughs> Australia are currently playing four openers in their team. I'm just saying, how many do you need? I think you only oh. need two, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. If Hildic had realised that was an option, he probably would have chucked seven or eight in there. Yes. So Thankfully, that was not do the we case. Get, do, we, uh, do we talk about putts season? Shall we do that? Yeah. All right. I, I was listing mine in order, but now that you've sort of ruined my big surprise, uh, <laughs> my number five, <laughs> yeah. well, let's... let's um, yeah. Four double centuries in the in a uh, in a season. The uh, oh. the first player to ever do it. I mean, look, Bradman is the greatest sportsman of all time across any sport. Any time that you can break a record of Bradman's or do something that Bradman didn't do, mm. that is that is mightily impressive. That's possibly the most difficult yeah task mm. in any sport is to outperform Bradman. And once again, scoring his runs at a really good clip around about. 67 runs per 100 balls. Yeah. I mean, the, the double century at yeah. Adelaide would have helped that. Mm. And not to mention the fact that India were pretty much disinterested for, yeah. <laughs> for yeah, the well, entire Well, I mean, series. even the, 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 the 329 no against uh, mm. them earlier on was scored at a very high clip as well. So Yeah, I mean, he could have broken the world batting record that day, but instead, yeah. for the second time in his life, he decided to give up chasing Lara. Mm. Boom, boom. And the other facet, again, as with Cook and Smith, is his captaincy. Yeah. Look, maybe two really, years ago, really I hated I yeah. hated Clark. I thought he was just an arrogant little tosser. Since he took over the captaincy, he has, he has transformed himself. And I, I didn't think he had it in him. 
I'm so impressed with yeah with the changes that yeah. he's made. The, the things like yeah declaring on three twenty nine, saying that his one fifty in South Africa was meaningless because they lost the game, mm. not being at all enamoured with the entire twenty twenty uh, phenomenon that sort of thing. Um, dumping Lara Bingle obviously was the <laughs> mm. was the starting point. Giving up on yeah. boning Lara Bingle. Oh. Yeah. 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 Which would have been even worse than the TV show. <laughs> Difficult to say. But yeah, I, I do have to say, I was very worried about what would happen when the Michael yeah. Clark of a couple of years ago... I think the thing that's really surprised me about him is that he's a, he's a lot more of a hard-ass than I thought he'd be. Mm. The, the standards and his expectations uh, of himself, but also of his team, have mm. just seemed to have escalated quite rapidly yep. since he took over the job, and... Yeah, as you say, it certainly wasn't something that I, I saw coming. I, I really worried a couple of years ago. I thought, they've, for starters, they've given him the captaincy when at the time, during the, the last Ashes series over here, and that I, I thought it was questionable whether he deserved to be in the team. But yes, he is, he is a saint. All my doubts. Mm. I love you, Michael. <laughs> so, I think that they're the locks. I think that we may... Veer from this point on. I haven't seen and your team. It's about time, too, frankly. I haven't seen your team and you haven't seen mine. So we may have to make some cases for a couple of these guys coming forward. But anyway. Bring it. So where are you going? So you, well, you obviously would have Clark at, batting at five. So who have you got batting at four? Kevin Peterson. Now, this is a big Unders- call. Understandable. This is Not a, my choice, but call. an understandable decision. But for me, there's, there's a couple of factors. Number one is that if you're talking about a review of the year, which we are doing, if we're talking about looking at 2012 as a whole, he's probably played the best innings of the year, in the century against India, on a pitch where no one else could get the ball off the square. He came out, and sort of similar to Armla's, um innings, he just, he just took the game away from the Indians, and they had no response. On a dicey wicket... Against spinners, you know, which has long been termed his potential weakness, um, was his ability to play left arm spin in particular. He, he, um, yeah, well, he just he just came out there and said, you know what, not on my watch. We, I'm just going to take this game away from you. Yeah, it was from all the plaudits I've read about it. It was apparently just a, yeah, a, a sensational knock from him. And in the context of what had come before it. With the, the the whole Strauss saga, the, the leaving the side, the, everything like that, this was an innings, yeah, of great personal importance for him as well, to really stamp his, uh, I guess, his return to the side. Mm. Yeah, an understandable pick. I mean, he's made about a thousand runs. Mm. Um, surprisingly, he's uh, he's averages below another Peterson in Alviro Peterson yeah. for the year. But yeah, well, but the, the second thing that swayed me is just Cook and Smith. They're potentially quite dual bats yeah. when, you know, they're not going to be free-scoring. Armla can be the same. Yeah. So I like having Peterson as my ace in the hole to come yeah. in at second drop. And I think that that's the thing. That's, that's why I think it's... As I said, I haven't gone that way. I've gone with Callis. Uh, yeah. Um, but I can understand the Peterson pick. And it, in terms of escalating the game, he's he's one of the few guys that can win you a game in a session these yeah. days. Yeah, much as he did. So... Um, yeah, much as he did in India. Yeah. So, with the balance of your team, you can understand that he can give you some handy overs as well, yep. which is you know you can't underestimate that as well. Yeah. Um, I mean the other guy is Chandapal. 
Yeah. Which again, I decided, you know, his his ability to just yeah stay in and not get Shane out Paul, is unrivaled. I've, but I've not aggression. picked. I've not. Yeah, on record, you have to pick Chanderpool because he's averaged nearly a hundred this year. Yeah. But um, my concerns, if I was going to pick him, I would be. I'm. Pick, I'd be picking him out of position and as an opener, because. Um, because of that concern, I mm. want I want my guys in the middle there to be taking advantage of the fact that I've had Cook and Smith and Amway to a lesser extent yeah. blunting the attack. Well, I did consider him for six, but I ended up yeah. going a different way. Oh, I've gone a different. Yeah, I've also gone a different way at six mm. as well. I considered I considered him there, but as, mm. look, I, if I have to espouse uh, the uh, the merits of picking Jack Callis, I think I'm wasting my no. time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, his, his numbers stack up just as well as they have at any other time. I'm getting an extra bowler as well. I was which... just going to say, you talk about Peterson giving you a yeah. few handy overs. Yeah. Jeez. Callis, you're getting... I mean, they're now starting to talk about him as an equal to Sobers. Mm. I don't think he's quite there, but he's, um, his record, you know, he's... He's going to be... Uh, I remember somebody saying once that he was the Matthew Pavlich of, of cricketers, which I thought was a was a phenomenal comparison to make, is that a guy oh, His nose isn't that big. <laughs> but it, it's a guy who has basically worked his way up the list purely because of his longevity and his durability. Well, see, I disagree with that. I think Callis's stats as a batsman have always been incredible. I, I really mm. think... You could make a case. It's changed a bit over the last couple of years, but there were a few mm. years back where I actually rated Callis as the most underrated test cricketer of all time. Yeah. Because his batting average is in the high 50s. It's higher than Tendulkar's. It's yeah. higher than Ponting's. All these luminaries of the modern game, yeah. Callis outdoes them all. Mm. No, but that's the point. Is that he, that, mm. I guess that's the thing. Is that Pat, which, I, I mean, not, not to anybody based in Perth, but I think on the East Coast in particular, they've, they've mm. neglected... The, the body of work that Matthew Pavlich has put together, and I think it's exactly the same with Carlos. The less said about the Tomahawk selection in All-Australian this year ahead yeah. of Pavlich, yeah, the, the better. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, A guy single-handedly gets his team into the finals and then on one week pants yeah. the team that the other guy plays for and it's not even close to good enough. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, we won't, yeah, we won't go beyond that. Don't go there. But, um, so, yeah, I've gone, I've gone Carlos at four. So... Uh, Pick six. Jump six. Now, this one I may have to justify a bit further, but Mr. Cricket scores a spot in my side. Now... Jeez, why was I surprised at that? Shut up, GJ. <laughs> there were yeah, a few other players around the mark. As I said, I really did consider Chanderpaul because his stats were outstanding. outstanding. Marlon Samuels is another one who yeah puts forward a very good case, and Jacques Callas, obviously, as well. But one of the, the key uh, factors for me... Having Clark at five and then Huss at six. Mm. Their average partnership this year is 107.29 runs. <laughs> in, in a, of a, from a sample size of, I think, 11. Mm. Th- that is just an absolutely staggering record. And now... The other, and I mean, the other thing that you know you're, you're going to get with Hussey is, mm. is that he's very good at batting with the lower order. Yeah. So, if perchance you, you do find yourself on... With this team, it's hard to see you being in that situation. Yeah. If you did find yourself six or about 120 with Hussey at the wicket, mm. you might still, you, you'd still be pretty confident that you could get near 300. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the... With everyone fapping over Clark's form this year, and rightfully so, 
I think Hussey's two centuries against South Africa, they've, they've sort of flown under the radar. But the fact is, his career average against South Africa was, was horrible compared to against all the other teams. And if he had been dismissed early in either one of those matches, Australia were in deep, deep trouble. So his his centuries in those two games, yeah, were absolutely critical. And although Clark outscored him in both matches, so he obviously gets the lion's share of attention, yeah. it was more the fact that Hussey stayed in with Clark and, uh, yeah, and enabled him to get to those massive scores. Yeah. And, I mean, look, he's, he's had a very typical Hussey season. He's mm. averaging around about 50. He's yeah. scoring at around about yeah. 50 runs per 100 balls. Well, and two tons against the Sappers, and he tops yeah. the, uh, the runs aggregate against the Windies as well. Okay. I've got Marlon Samuels, who you, uh, who you highlighted. Yeah. Um, I think it's everybody knew that this, this kid had talent, and I think he's finally had a year where he's mm. put it all together. His, his numbers are insane this year. For, for somebody who was, you know, who, who'd been nothing for a mm. long period of time. Admittedly against slightly weaker opposition. Admit, you have to, but... yeah, I think you can only play mm. who you play. Though. I think that you, you have to take that, you, you certainly take that into context, but yeah. at the same time, the guy's averaged 86th this year. Well, Chandapur's averaged more than that. Chandapur's so average. you pick him then? Well, my reason for picking Samuels is... is it, it ties him more with it's. It's not only his test form that's that's got him over the line with me. He's had a he's had a phenomenal year in in the T twenties, oh, and I'm just in the same reason the same way that you you've picked Peterson with a view of escalating the scoring rate if required. All right, yeah, let's go with that. I'm, Don't I'm argue T twenty four. I'm not arguing aggression. I'm arguing the ability to flick <laughs> yeah. a switch yeah. and get me fifty or sixty runs All very right. very quickly. That, that I can sign off on. <laughs> That's why I'm putting him... And I picked him specifically at six for that reason. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even with... And once again, with Samuels, you get some handy bowling as well, yeah. should you need it. So... Yeah. Um, now, as I say, yeah, I did really look yeah. at him. The only thing that swayed me was just the partnership. The other, I mean, the other... Important I, yeah, and I mean, the other impressive thing about Samuels is that he's, uh, he's had 11 innings this year, and he's... His conversion rate to fifties is higher than anybody who's had ten, ten or more innings. He's he's converted seven of those eleven starts into fifty or more mm-hmm. runs, yep. including in innings of two hundred and sixty. Yeah. So he's you know how many centuries? He's, in there? he's had three centuries and four fifties. So a good conversion of fifties yeah, to one hundred well, so, step up. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the Shane Watson stumbling block. Yeah, exactly. When he's when he's got in there, he's been really really. When he's got in yeah. got in and got settled, much like Chandapur, he's been very difficult to dislodge this year. I don't think anyone's quite as difficult to dislodge no. Chandapur. But, but um, yeah, so I've gone I've gone with Samuels at six, and I, I guess the. The, the question you ask of the wicket keepers is it's probably a two horse race, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I, I'd go with that. Unless you're Indian and then you probably think it's a one horse race. And I don't think yeah, either it's of it's the horse are... that's been put down <laughs> yeah, that's right. a couple of years ago. I don't think either of At least in this different. format of the game. Yeah. 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 Well, look, I've gone with Pryor. And yeah, okay. Look, call me old fashioned, but I'm going to pick my keeper based first and foremost on his ability behind the stumps. And as amazing, <laughs> I guess, an all-round athlete as A.B. de Villiers is, not only is it not his natural position, but 
we've seen throughout the year, it's impacted his batting. You know, he's had back problems as well. It's impacted his scoring. And I think, quite frankly, if you exclude A.B. de Villiers' last innings, then, yeah, you, it's difficult to make a case for him at all. Mm. So, on to the batting side of things then. Pryor, um, look, his, his stats are good without being great. Sorry? Oh. His, his stats are, are good without being great. You know, he's, he's not going to average... He hasn't averaged as much as A.B. de Villiers. But when I look at um, his if overall getting, figures... If you're getting 38 from your keeper, though, you've got to be pretty happy about that. And the, the more important thing for me was the fact that he's made five scores of... Is, are you sure it's five? I thought it was more than that. Mm. And, yeah, the, the more important factor for me is also the fact that he's made five 50s. Um, and while, yeah, you could say AB made a few big scores as well, a lot of those 50s were really important runs when his team was in trouble. And he came in, and sure, he didn't go on to make a big 100, but he's providing consistent and valuable runs, you know, down the order. I mean, five 50s from, uh, from 21 innings. Uh, you know, for a guy coming in down the order, I think that's pretty solid. So, obviously, and AB is a better batsman. And he's keeping his much improved yeah. these days. Is that, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, I really wanted to pick De Villiers badly for this, but much like you, I just couldn't build a case that I thought was strong enough. Mm. I, I, the... As much as everybody likes to say otherwise, I'd lo- I love having De Villiers' game. I would love having his game in there because mm. he can attack and defend. And and yeah. you well, know the last two tests but, he played. Look at that. Yeah, but stonewalling versus the, free wheel. You know, I sit there and I think about that, and I go, Pride does the exact same thing. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, and like you, I actually want to have a keeper mm. who bats rather than a batsman that keeps. And yeah. I, you know. Davies is great, great fielder, great athlete. I, I, I don't think the wicket keeping is really should yeah. be his go in the long term. Well, and there's probably two things. The number one is the the back problem. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that should be enough for a to keeper. Rule out. Yeah. yeah, and number two is that by having him behind the stumps, you're actually um, losing having him in the field, yeah. <laughs> where he's a brilliant fieldsman as well. So yeah, yeah you're losing no, out so on that. I that really, I, yeah, I was. I've I've been fifty fifty on this one, and I've been changing my mind a fair bit which way I want to go. But like you, in the end, I decided that I thought the prior was was a better match for for what I'm looking yeah. to do. Yeah. So. So on to the okay. spinners. So well, yeah, we'll De Villiers might get a crack as my twelfth man for that for the very reason that he could arguably do anything that I needed. But um, even bowl. <laughs> well. <laughs> I've got I've got Clark Samuels and uh, and Callis, so I'm going to be I think I'm going to be okay with right. with backup yeah. bowlers. So oh, okay. yeah, unless there's a, an injury crisis of Australian fast bowling proportions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but no no one can prepare for that. Yeah. All right, spinner. Uh, for me, yeah. Syed Ajmal. Yep. Now the biggest and reason for this the, is the his guy, performance against England. Yeah, I, I'm going with Ajmal because yeah. Everybody says how hard he is to play. Well, let me let me tell you something. The uh, the Ranger is really really unlucky here. Mm, yeah, he's oh. put up a season that would mm. generally fifty odd wickets in eight matches would generally get you picked in my team. But Ajmal's yeah. um, numbers, Ajmal's economy rate, and his strike rate, you just can't 
Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's three, aren't there? There's Swan, um, Harath, and, yes. and Ashmar. But for me, it's, yeah, obviously the figures themselves, but also the impact he had. I mean, he got inside the head of those English batsmen. Yeah. By the time that series was finished, he, yeah, he had just spun a web around them. They didn't know what was coming. And any time that you can beat the number one team in the world 3-0, mm. yeah, yeah, you have to put in a pretty good performance. And yeah. I thought he, yeah, drove 30, that I mean, result. 39 wickets at an average of 20, a strike rate of 46, which is insane. Yeah. And the economy rate, 2.65. I mean, I know I'm just spouting numbers there, but it just goes to show you the cut-through that he's had this year. N- never apologise for spouting numbers. <laughs> never <laughs> apologise for that. So, yeah, I, I've got Edgemail as well. I was tempted to play two spinners, but we've ruled that out, so... Uh... Just pause for a sec. Uh... No, just keep going. I can just cut it out. So, the, um, so we, we, we're down the spinners. Where are we going with our three quicks? All right, well, seeing as we're agreeing on pretty much everything, I'll, I'll keep that trend going, I'm pretty sure, with my first pick, and that is the philanderer. Yes. Now, I mean... This guy became the first Perth player since the 19th century to pick up 50 wickets in his first seven tests. And his, yeah, his partnership with Dale Stain is, well, you could make a case for it being one of the greatest new ball partnerships of all time. He's, so have you, have you stuck with that partnership as part of your selection philosophy? No, I have not. Okay. As much as it pains me... <laughs> to turn my back on Stain, and as much as it might be ironic to have him in my all-time world 11, but not in my 11 for this year, there are a couple of other guys that have pipped him. So I assume Philanderer is in yours yeah, as well? I've got Philanderer. Just, just the numbers back it up, you know. Mm. It gave you a half century as well, which was uh, certainly handy in the mix. But right in, in, um, in, nine, yeah, in nine matches, we got 43 wickets at, at strike rate matching Arge miles mm-hmm. around the 46 mark. Yep. Average of uh, just over 21. So, yeah. And those figures actually got a little bit worse after yeah. the last couple of tests. And I mean, yeah, the beauty, you know what you're going to get with Philander. Stump to stump. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just gets, it's just a little bit of movement, a yeah. little bit of swing. It's nothing exaggerated or, you know, substantial, mm. but it's just enough to consistently find the edge. That's right. It's very McGrath-like yeah. the way he goes yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Glenn McGrath would like the way he goes about it. Luke God, Darcy, God. maybe not so much. Luke Darcy might say he was the best in the business, you could say. Yeah, Luke Darcy yeah. might say a lot of things. Yes. He might say he's not a millionaire. So you haven't, you haven't gone with Stain? <laughs> no, I'm, I haven't. I'm surprised by that. I have. Okay. I have. Um, Finally, a point of difference. <laughs> I I just like that partnership. And oh, so you're using my Huston Clark argument. Point one, I just like that partnership. Point two, irrespective of anything else, I still feel that if if the if the wicket's going to be slightly favouring the uh, the quicks, he's the guy I want on my team. His numbers this year certainly don't match up with his previous years, but um, his numbers are good enough. I couldn't, I couldn't build a, a, a substantial enough case to find somebody to kick him out as much as I really wanted to. So I'm sticking with Stain. Look, I'm, as I say, the guy's in my all-time world 11, so I'm not exactly going to argue against him at, at any stage, but I will tell you the guy who I've got in in front of him, which might be a bit of a surprise, and that's Kimar Roach. 
And yeah. look, the biggest thing for me is that it always comes back to strike rate when you're talking yeah. about bowlers. Strike rate is the key. Now you're talking about Arjmal and Stain, who've had strike rates of 46 this year, which is which is very very solid. Kemal Roach's strike rate this year is 41. He's taking a wicket better than every seven overs. Mm. And I thought, yeah, as you say, Stain averaging around, you know, the 30 mark, you know, nothing, not as brilliant as we've come to expect from him by his very high standards. Whereas Roach, 39 wickets at 22, Mm. um, with a strike rate of 41, Mm. For me, yeah, he, um, he he demands selection. Yeah, that's a fair call, actually. I uh, He was just outside my team. Sure, he, sure he, was, he was, Jake. He was the guy who was, yeah, I was making the, you know, it was a Roach versus Stain thing, and I I, I, I just like the Stain Philander mm. Yeah, no, as I say, so, yeah, that's why I picked Huss yeah. to partner him with yeah. Mark. Now, the second one. So, for me... A roach was always going to be in there. For me, yeah. it came down to the last spot, and that was Stain versus Siddle. Now, I went with Siddle in the end. His, his average yeah. is uh, 26.9, so it's a handful of runs uh, better than Stain's. His, his strike rate is, is slightly worse at 53.5, but when I just think back to the way he carried the attack in Adelaide when they were a bowler down, very nearly won it off his off his own back, to the point where he, yeah, could barely stand. And the way in which, against India, although Hilfi ended up um, with, you know, far better figures, I thought Peter Siddle was always the guy who got the key breakthrough, the key moments. Mm. My lasting memory of this year would be the Perth test uh, on the first day, where we had rolled the top order, but um, I believe it was Laxman and Gambia were starting to put a partnership together. Peter Siddle, similar to how he ended up at Adelaide, was was exhausted. He was stopping down on his haunches after every delivery, getting water run out to him. He was knackered. But he bowled unchanged from one end for around an hour and picked up both of those big wickets. And that was the turning point of the game. Once that happened, we rolled the tail and then Warner came in and blasted them into oblivion. But I thought his performance there was just simple, yeah... Sheer stick to itiveness. <laughs> he just demanded that of himself. And, yeah, I thought the way he responded after getting the wickets, that he was too tired to be excited. But he basically just went down on his haunches and you could see him yeah, celebrating within himself. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I can understand that. I, I didn't really consider Siddle purely for the reason that I feel that Siddle and Philander are a similar bowler. And that I, I just rate Philander being a better player than Siddle. That's the, that's, that's they're both good bowlers. Yeah. Though. <laughs> no, but I, I've kind of picked yeah. my team based on wanting to have the right mix. I've got the the express strike guy in Stain. I've got mm-hmm. the the Glen McGrath, the boy you to tears yeah. bowler in Philander. The ingredient that I'm missing is the guy who swings the ball at this particular point in time. So I, I've chosen Anderson. His numbers yep. probably aren't quite where they had been in the past, but um, the, the beauty of Anderson is, is that these days he really keeps it tight. He can keep the pressure on. He can swing the ball in virtually any conditions whatsoever. Mm. And I mean, as we're recording this, uh, India are 4 for 87 at stumps, yeah. and Anderson's taken 3 for 24. Yeah. The other thing that, about Anderson that... that 
that you really forget about is how good he is in the field as well. He's actually a very good fielder. Mm. So, um, and not a bad guy to use as a night watchman either. So, yeah. or if you need to save a test at Cardiff. Yeah, that's Can right. I ask you a question then, though? Yeah. If you're going to pick a swing bowler, yeah. particularly based on his figures this year, why yeah. didn't Hilfie get a run? Um... On, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's a bit. My my philosophy is a little bit strange. I've kind of gone with the the tried and true, with the with the quicks, and you've needed to do something substantial to to knock him out. I've really been a little well, bit. stats are I've, very good this year. I'm though. sure they. I, I mean, I'm sure they are. But mm. I've been a little bit disappointed with his summer thus far. See, I think it's yeah. I'm I'm guessing it's so, based on your recent memory of him. That's yeah. That's right. Yeah. He, I mean, he was done he was yeah. fantastic yeah. against India. Yeah. But yes. um, he's he he was disappointing in the tests against mm. South Africa, and I, I you know, it, it does worry me a little bit about him. Is that I, I just wonder if he's a bit of a flat track bully. Mm, yeah. The, the reason I do ask about Hilfie, though, is because I think he, more than anyone else in the Australian lineup at the moment, he swings the ball, which mm. I think you always want a guy like that yeah. in your side. Well, I mean, as you say, you know, Hilfie's numbers make Anderson's look yeah. pedestrian. Yep. They do. Yep. But as I say, yeah, my, I, I just think that, you know, just a choice thing between Anderson and Hilfenhaus for me, I, I, you know, if they were lining up on the wall... I'd, and, you know, as you say, I'm probably tainted a little bit by more recent form. Mm-hmm. But lining up on the wall, I'm taking Anderson 100 times out of 100. Fair enough. So, well, look, we sort of promised a potential 12th man. Do we yep. want to throw that in there or just renege on that? Uh, let's go there. I, I'd probably pick um, the Ranger. Give myself yep. a second spinner. Um, As opposed to a second spitter. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, um, he's unlucky to miss out. I mean, he's yeah, taken he the most wickets of any yeah. bowler this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, you his could argue. You can argue Hirath is very unlucky to miss out. You could. I mean, the guys where we've alternated, mm. we've we've picked a little bit strategically with yeah. some of those things. The guys who. The guy. I mean, guys who you've put in your team, I could definitely make cases for as well. De Villiers is probably a bit stiff. You could argue as well in it's, this it's mix. It's his back that's stiff. That's, that's right. why I didn't pick him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going with Harath purely because so, I want to have a, mm. yeah, I want to have the option of having a second spinner. And if we're saying of all the positions, who was probably yeah the closest to getting in, the yeah. unluckiest to miss out. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd go with that. I mean, the, the other one I'd say is probably Chandapal. Yeah, just just based oh. on sheer weight of runs. I mean, that series against Australia, that was Australia versus Chandapal. Yeah. Chanderpaul's incredibly stiff, but as yeah. I say, That's you know, what she said. I, I knew he made the I knew he made the argument Chanderpaul over Smith and use him as an opener because mm. I think he could do that yeah. quite well. And you know, how good would it be to have somebody like him blunting blunting the attack for a while, bringing in you know your Clarks and your your Priors mm. and guys like that a little bit further down the order to just capitalise when mm. the I'd say that Alistair Cooks. Already doing a pretty good job. Yeah, no, but I'm yeah, saying, you, yeah, no, you know, I do, yeah, yeah. I'd say that the Alistair ball. Cook's already doing a pretty good job. Yeah, no, but I'm it. saying, you, yeah, no, you know, I do, yeah, yeah. I see your point. As you say, if you're picking it purely on numbers, 
He's dead stiff. You're averaging just under 100 for the year and you can't get a go. You're very unlucky. Hey, you know, shit happens. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, your 12th man? Um, yeah. yeah. Ch- Chandapur is the one I, yeah. I would have gone with. Purely okay. because I also was originally had him in instead of Huss. Yeah. And then thought Huss is my 12th man just because he can bat mm. uh, anywhere in the order. But ended up going with Huss so he could partner yeah. with Clark. Well, I think Chandapur's in a similar, similar position. He can bat pretty much anywhere in the order as well. I so. didn't want him too high up in mind, though, because yeah. I had Cook, Smith and Armla. So there it is. That's it. 12 from 2012. Yeah. That's not the 12th of the 12th. We, we missed that by <sighs> just a couple of days. But, uh, but just pretend it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, that wraps up episode 27. All good. It's all sorted. Yep. Yeah, nothing more to say than that. Bill, you want to add anything to the mix? No, actually, we don't want you to add anything. Yeah, God, not after earlier. Jeez, I don't know what that mix was. Yeah, that's right. Send that one back (laughs) to the manufacturer. It's a faulty batch, let's just say (laughs) that. So, until next time, GJ signing out. Dan Jackson, happy not to be in the 27 Club yet. Later, skaters. Later, (laughs) hosen.